Welcome to JFK and the Enduring Secret. I'm your host, Jeff Crudell. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is episode 210. The Joseph Miltier story has more to it than meets the eye, and we're going to tell it in this next wander of episodes. Our storytelling brings three central characters together. Of course, Miltier himself, informant Willie Somerset, and FBI agent Don Adams as he tells the real story of the FBI investigation of Miltier. Many other peripheral characters have a place in this wander, as you shall soon see. The core of the story, and of course the classic tale of JFK researchers, is this, in a nutshell. Miltier was a radical right-wing racist living in Quitman, Georgia, a small town between Valdosta and Thomasville. His background and involvement in racist organizations and causes led him on extensive travel across the United States. He had reunited with a boyhood friend named Willie Somerset, whose own background led Somerset into an early conviction and a stay in a federal prison. After his release, Somerset became a union organizer and would also become an informant, first working for the FBI and then later working with local law enforcement, particularly in Miami. On November 9th, 1963, Miltier met Somerset in his Miami apartment. Somerset, on that day, was acting as an informant for the intelligence unit of the Miami Police Department. And with their assistance, the conversation that day with Miltier was taped. The conversation suddenly turned to the president. Kennedy's upcoming visit to Miami was scheduled for November 18, 1963, and then the bombshell was dropped. Miltier would in no uncertain terms say that he knew the assassination of the president was in the works. When Somerset asked him how it would be done, he stated very simply, with a high-powered rifle, using a scope, and fired from a tall office building. He went on to explain that the authorities would pick up someone relatively quickly and charge them with the crime in order to divert attention from the real assassins. In other words, a patsy. Miltier didn't know exactly where, or at least didn't let on where, but he said it was already in the works on that fateful day of November 9th. 
Within a few days, a transcription of the tape was turned over to both the FBI and the Secret Service. The startling revelation by this little man from Quitman seemed as if it should have been the shot heard in advance around the world. It had occurred just seven days after the Secret Service had quelched the Chicago plot scheduled for November 2nd. As you recall from our previous episode of JFK, The Enduring Secret, the Chicago plot entailed four gunmen that were to use high-powered rifles shooting from an upper floor of a high-rise building. Just as the president's limousine was to slow down, come to a stop, and make an extreme 90-degree turn. And to top it off, there was a patsy involved, Thomas Arthur Valley. But somehow, as the story goes, while President Kennedy himself might have become aware of this threat revealed by Miltier, the Secret Service agents who were planning the upcoming trips to Texas were never informed of Miltier's revelation. Yes, both the FBI and Secret Service took steps to follow up, but of course they took no actions related to Miltier. The Chicago plot just seven days before was still hush-hush, but we know now that the two suspects who were taken into custody in Chicago had Latin names. And here, Kennedy was heading to Florida and Texas next, where lots of men and women were Cuban and Mexican and who had Latin names. Both venues, as we all know, for all the various and obvious reasons, were a hotbed of hate from the far fringes of the right and the left, and that included many Latins. And so, somehow, as the story goes, Florida's local law enforcement community took the threat seriously. Both the Miami and Tampa trips occurring on November 18th contained a serious dose of additional security precautions over what they otherwise would have. Those local security enhancements in Miami and Tampa were obviously coordinated with the Secret Service. So the $64,000 question for any JFK researcher or listener to our podcast or member of the jury is a relatively simple one. How could all of this have occurred? The Chicago plot, the Miltier revelation, the overwhelming local security response coordinated with Secret Service in Miami and Tampa as a result. And then, with all of that front and center, to incur the obvious security retrenchment that occurred in Dallas, and perhaps most egregiously obvious, right there in Dealey Plaza, where there were no security men on rooftops or helicopters canvassing the tall buildings. None of that. None of that would ever appear as it had in Tampa and Miami. And in Dallas, we are talking about the one point in the parade where the president was to slow down and make multiple hairpin turns right in front of a set of tall buildings. All of this after what they knew from the Chicago plot and from the startling revelations on the Miltier tape. No men on the roofs looking into windows across the way. No men in helicopters scouting rooftops and covered ground positions, no men entering buildings and assuring that the windows were shut. Yet those precautions were all there and present just a few days before in Tampa and Miami. So why not Dallas? Other questions mounted as well. Why was the 112th called off from its regular participation in the security of the president? The Dallas Sheriff's Office itself just happened to be on the corner right there next to Dealey Plaza. 
Why were members of the Dallas Sheriff's Office advised that morning by Sheriff Bill Decker himself that they were not to be part of a security detail that day, that they were to stand down? Is any of this adding up for you? And if so, then how? Okay, well, that's enough about the traditional story related to Joseph Miltier. There is lots more to come on him. And when it comes to Joseph Miltier, the $64,000 question for some is whether he was the quack from Quitman, as some have labeled him, who by chance articulated the most obvious way to kill a president, or whether he was really in the know on the plot to kill Kennedy. Few people believe he might have been directly involved, but many who support the idea that it was a right-wing conspiracy believe that his foreknowledge of the Kennedy assassination was real. As we explore deeper who Miltier really was, the answer to that question will likely be more apparent to you. What changes things for most people is that his racist hate was not just pointed in the direction of the White House. It's probably not a startling revelation to you at this point that a man named Martin Luther King would come into the Joseph Miltier story. Several years later, Miltier would much more directly, be involved in the monetary bounty that was gathered to remunerate the assassin of Dr. King. His more direct involvement in the King tragedy makes the idea of his foreknowledge about JFK just that much more believable. Ironically, in a somewhat related twist of fate, our informant, Willie Somerset, would also provide authorities the night before King was assassinated with reconnaissance, saying that King's assassination was, in fact, going to happen that next day. And it did. Willie Somerset may have been the only person to legitimately tell authorities in advance about the two assassinations, the assassination of both President Kennedy and Reverend Martin Luther King. (laughs) I'm telling you, folks, you just can't write this stuff. Miltier suspiciously died in 1974 as a result of burns, received from a heating stove explosion that occurred inside his house. Burns that the mortician who prepared his body said were not sufficient to cause death, even though that is what it said on his death certificate. And within days of his death, nearby residents would spot a van at his house, and men were removing contents, and they weren't moving furniture. It appeared to be a more than suspicious entering of the house, and removal of effects, whatever they were exactly. Well, that's unknown, but the whole event is suspicious, especially since Miltier had no known friends in the area that might have done just that. (laughs) Folks, again, you just can't write this stuff. Okay, well, it's time for a sandwich, and so let's return in episode 211 as we begin to dive down the deep rabbit hole that is the story of Joseph Miltier, Willie Somerset, and FBI agent Don Adams. All these characters begin to converge in the story. But before we go there, before we leave today, let's listen to the secretly taped conversation between Joseph Miltier and Willie Somerset on that fateful day, November 9th, 1963. What you are about to hear is an excerpt of the entire recording that they made that day of Joseph Miltier. In this clip, 
you'll hear lead detective Everett K. from the Miami Intelligence Unit describe setting up the surveillance and discussing the contents of the tape, along with certain security changes for the president's November 18th visit to Miami that were made in light of the threat. I don't know if Ken is coming here, I think on the 18th or something like that, to make some kind of speech. I think it's the 18th he's supposed to be here to make a speech. And I don't even know what it's about. But you can bet your bottom now, you're going to have a lot to say about Cuban because there's so many of them here. Well, we had to set up the tape recorder in Somerset's apartment in order to uh, to make the recording where he met with, uh, with this other uh, man, uh, Milter. In order to do so, uh, it was a very large tape recorder that was made especially for uh, intelligence work, weighing approximately 40 pounds. I carried it to the third floor of his apartment. Uh, placed it in a closet and then ran the microphone around the baseboard in the kitchen and the microphone was uh, hidden by by the chairs where military and uh, Somerset were to have their meeting. Well, that's true. Yeah, more, more than that. came up that this man wanted to know how many people that President Kennedy had that was his lookalike that went with him and our informant wanted to know why and he said well there was plans to assassinate him. The further conversation on the tape revealed that um, the assassination was to take place uh, from an office building with a high-powered rifle. There was no particular city mentioned, uh, or was there any particular person mentioned that was to do the assassination. The tape was made on uh, November the 9th, and John F. Kennedy, President Kennedy, was doing Miami on the 18th of November, 1963. So the close proximity of the tape being made and his visit uh, made quite a few changes in the security. They changed the motorcade, and uh, I believe that he was helicoptered, and rather than have a motorcade. Uh, additional men were um, secured. Uh, uh, everyone was made aware that, uh, that uh, there may be a problem. So there was a drastic change in the procedures. It wasn't as accessible in this city as he might have been 
in the past. Boy, that kid is a big shot. We gotta know where we at. Yeah, but you know what? I thought that would be a real shame to do that. They would be nice stone on turns there. Oh, no way. Oh, hell no. We thought we did a good job and was very grateful the fact that it did not happen in Miami. It could have very well happened in, in Miami, um, as it did in Dallas. So it, it touched it touched each of us uh, very, very closely, particularly myself, as hearing the words that they were going to assassinate President Kennedy. Well, how do you think that's where we'll be here? Uh, coming out still. Uh, I don't Thank you for listening to episode 210 of JFK, The Enduring Secrets.